Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, we're only days away from our live in-person recording of this show in 6510, September 11th, 6.30 p.m. in 6510. Hey, if you're listening to this after that time, we're sorry you're not able to make it, but we're going to instead the invitation here anyway. Hey, this week on the episode, we have a guest. Uh, Rob Karch brought our sermon on Sunday. He's one of our ministry partners. He's worked in the French-speaking world for most of his life, and uh, we get to hear some fascinating stories about how God has worked in and through his church, sometimes the messiest parts of his church, to extend his love around society. We hear some history about the French-speaking world and all sorts of stuff, and we, uh, we wrestle with some of those tensions that are in Christian history. So without any further ado, let's dive in. Let's hear from Rob Karch. Uh, about some of those things. Then they all have Danes, like native languages. So what they did for the Germans when, too, when the kids awesome. were born, yeah. they uh, he spoke to the kids in English. She spoke to the kids in Spanish. And of course, because she's a Swede, right? Yeah. yeah. So well, she's half Bolivian. So she's <laughs> like, yeah. And then, by the way, we're live. I yeah, just okay, yeah, yeah. we we didn't. <laughs> We know that we're alive, but that's okay. We'll okay. get back to you in just a moment. We're, we're in we're a finish- whole language conversation. I was just talking. Okay, hold on. So, so your we're friends- finishing a conversation. Sorry. We'll get to you in just a moment, podcast listeners. He's, he's what? And she's what again? He's Australian. She's Swedish. She's Swedish. Well, she's Bolivian and Swedish. No, no, Bolivian you were supposed to add that later because the, yeah. she's Swedish. And so he speaks to their kids in English. Yes. And so she speaks to their kids in Spanish yes. because she's Swedish, which she's is Swedish. totally logical. Totally logical, yeah, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she speaks seven languages. <laughs> Languages, and she's actually a translator. She, she she would say she's fluent in seven languages, and her definition of fluent is you can talk about any subject. Yes. So you have to be able to talk about like medical examinations in that language. You have to be able to talk about finance in that language. You can't just you know say you know Donde est Albania right, and right. call yourself it, fluent. It, absolutely. Um, and then they spoke Swedish to each other, so the kids picked that up like. Goodness gracious, that's complicated. Just genius, right? So, So, right in the context, as I just mentioned, my daughter at her school, her high school outside of Montreal, uh they did this like little straw poll to find out who spoke how many languages. (laughs) And my daughter found out she's one of the only students that only speak, well, that that speaks two languages. Because they. Because everybody um, else speaks at least three (laughs) three, or more, right? And so all of her friends, they're like parents are from like Tunisia or Lebanon or Greece or whatever. And so. I don't even speak one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my my name, Rob. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I speak one but i don't actually i don't write in any yeah. occasionally any in a staff meeting we'll ask aaron to to be the scribe because it's good comic relief How, <laughs> however however the fact is you did grow up you grew up in rwanda your departure from rwanda was was pretty traumatic and so the whole concept of multicultural and all that like you you yeah there's still some that in your dna and occasionally Absolutely. i understand french i don't know why i understand it but <laughs> it's, it's when you're like angry there's deep swearing. down yeah deep down memories so interestingly my reading well, of french we should really introduce yeah yeah, yeah, our, we should, yeah, yeah uh, hello yeah. Hi, red couch sorry. theology listeners um this is gonna be like we're gonna see a dive in like, <sighs> i knew this was dangerous to invite rob on because we were like <laughs> we even the just setting up my gear there were interesting conversations were already starting to flow and i was like the the episode can't start quick enough. We we know that you're there. Amazing, Thank you for tuning in. Here. Yeah. 
Um, we have a special guest in case you guys weren't here on Sunday, uh, Rob Karch. He's one of our ministry partners. And, uh, and the reason we were talking about, about language, I'm, I'm also here. So Alex, yeah, especially guest. Is that, is that? Karsh, yeah. Karsh. Karsh, Karsh. Yeah. yeah. It's American. It's, yeah, it is. Like he's <laughs> barely <true>. American. <laughs> like he has like a few lingering remnants of American in him. Um, but yeah, obviously Rob is from the French speaking world. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say he's just from Montreal. He's just, he's just uh, been adopted by the French speaking world. And he's traveled the French speaking world. I love how advocates you speak for, for the French speaking world. Absolutely. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yes yeah, yeah. They, they adopted <laughs> you. I, I contacted them. <laughs> them. They told okay. me. You're, you're in a group that. text, oh, Carter, a group we text know. with the French speaking world. Yeah. <laughs> how extensive is that world? <laughs> yes. I mean, the text feed. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know. There's a lot yeah. of nations in the world. Like, it's all... maybe 1, 1.2, 2 billion. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, it's a few hundred million. But yeah. yeah. No, All right. Yeah, but still, yeah. 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 All right. Well. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, could you introduce yourself a little bit more? Um, and why were we talking about languages? Carry All right, on. So my, my name is Rob. Actually, I grew up in the States. I grew up outside of Portland, Oregon. And big family, eight, ki- eight kids. Um, nice. what, what do you call it? What's the, the word we use for um, divorce, remarriage? Blended. Blended. Mixed. Mixed. Blend. Yeah. Blended. <laughs> Yeah, I used a perfectly good word, and you replaced it with a less good word. I think there's a mixed. You're mixed. A more, uh, a complicated. I don't know. Isn't mixed like the American way of saying I it think though? It's blended. I don't think that's a word I don't want to use. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um, we don't know what we're talking about. Carry I, on. Why don't I answer the questions? <laughs> All right. So blended. I was invited um, to lead a, a trip um, of team from the u.s to paris when i was Ooh. 20. oh wow and um i the thing is is that it's a, it's a crazy story how that happened mm. so i was at college and i get a i got a, an email and the email said um hi my name is brian i forget what your name is but can you please give me a call <laughs> Like that was the email. That's your, those, are, those are the emails you don't answer now. It's like I know this is like I'm, back I'm, in the day. Yeah, you still back answered in the those. Day, I like I got an email. You know, yeah. yeah. So, it's so only getting a right. letter nowadays. Yeah. That was that was to my Juno account. All right. So, <laughs> oh wow. You want to talk about dating? Yeah, dating. So yeah. Rob's from the French speaking world, and he's old. <laughs> right. um, carry on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and so I called this guy, and uh, he was. I'm not saying this is a good way to do things. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying advocating for this, but I called him and he told me about this team that was going to Paris that summer, like in a month and a half after that, he said, everything's ready. Like we have all our plans, the team's prepared, what they're going to do. The only thing we don't have is we don't have a leader. I said, Rob, would you be willing to lead our team to France? Because at the time you were fluent, right? Well, the thing is, is my answer, like I'm, I'm in New York state at that point at college. And I said, well, um, I've never been on a mission trip. I don't speak French and I don't know who you are. <laughs> those are good. Those are, those are compelling reasons not to take. So other than that, things. I'll pray and yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I told him, I told him I go, I went to, to France that summer for six weeks, led this team, crazy story. And, and that was like my first long-term 
experience with the French speaking world. With all the years I've known you, I don't think you've told me that part of the story. But it's it 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 sounds right from what I know of you. Totally. <laughs> so I'm I'm there. It sounds about right. <laughs> I'm I'm there for six weeks and I'm falling in love with the French language. Uh-huh. So it's beautiful language. I'm beautiful language. So I have this like little tiny notebook I keep in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm writing it down the words that I'm learning and uh-huh. all of this. Everybody's laughing at me. It's great. Cool. Like it just it's I yeah. mean, the more people are laughing at me, the more I'm like it's mm-hmm. it's still true sometimes. <laughs> And, uh, and I met this girl. So there are these teams from all around the world, Zimbabwe, Kenya, mm-hmm. South Africa, mm-hmm. United, United States, States, English-speaking Canada, and French-speaking Canada. And so this team from French-speaking Canada, the leader is this girl named Martine. Ah. And after, I, remember, I remember the first time I saw her. I could tell you what she was wearing. And after a couple of weeks, I was thinking, this is the kind of girl I want to marry. But at the same time, I was committed to, all right, I, I don't want this to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And so I like purposely avoided talking to her too much. And so I talked and hung out with her friend, this mm-hmm. other girl all the time. And so what ended up happening is like her friend thought I was like super interested in her. Like it was just That's this bad. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, not yeah, good, yeah, you know. Yeah. This is what guys do, uh, ladies. I'm just uh, not smart. We, we either make fun yeah. of the people that we're interested in. We avoid them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like this is how guys operate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have no idea. <laughs> we just have no idea. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, to be fair, I did not do that when I met Laura, which was in similar circumstances. But I did lots of other things. That well, some of us take mission trips seriously. So yeah, absolutely. I don't know yeah, your. Yeah, no, I was actually just a conference speaker, so that that's like the least serious thing in the world. You just basically paid to go somewhere and say some stuff and then leave. I like, guess it depends what we're like, talking about, just, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had no function other than that. And um, and Aaron, it was at um, in college we met. met no, wife, we right? Alice and I met in high school. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. We didn't date in high school, even though I tried. But oh, man, that's a different so you, story. Okay, all right. She so turned me down. Yeah, we're just right. doing that. Oh, <laughs> that's right. But you're persistent. Huh. I am. And so, so, and then you, obviously, at some point, the not talking led to talking. It led to talking. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. I went back to France. Yeah. And so she, but she was from Montreal. And so we started corresponding. Um, four years later, we got married. Hmm. And uh, so I was traveling back and forth to Montreal, and I discovered, yeah. like, there's this whole group of people in North America, mm. millions of people that speak French. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, super cool. Yeah. they It's, like, minus 30 degrees in February, and yeah. they're just, like, out hanging out. Just hanging out. Life is great. So, tell yeah, tell us a little bit about because I So I used to live in Saratoga Springs, so... That's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, um, yeah. But but my my pal that still lives out there, James. Shout out to James because he listens sometimes. Uh, he, he uh, hey James, he, we he appreciate is, you. He's a great guy, coffee lover, reading books all the time. Wonderful guy. Um, and he said he gave me this pitch that Saratoga Springs or this area, Clifton Park, the little town we lived in, is the greatest place to live in America. And I'm wow. like, nobody believes that. It's like I'm like, give me one good reason. And he said this, he said, find me another town that's within two and a half hours of three of the greatest cities in North America. He said in two and a half hours, you can get to Montreal, you can get to Boston, and you can get to New York City. I don't know how fast he's driving, but two and a half hours to Clifton Park from Montreal, he's going really fast. That's not that bad. No, it's pretty reasonable, right? Two and a half hours? I'm thinking two and a half, three. It's two hours up to like the border. 
Is right. it that close? Yeah. It's pretty all close. right. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but, but like, a beautiful yeah, okay. drive, though. Like, let's call it the three hours. Three hours. Like, okay. There's, there's, all right. Said, like, okay. There's not many places where you can say that. So, so the theme of this discussion, this podcast, is is Clifton Park the most incredible Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what, what we're, we're going yeah. to get yeah. a bit starting to understand yeah. how our podcast <laughs> yeah. works. Right. It's, the, it's, the, it's okay. the only time that Clifton Park has been the subject of a podcast. Wow. Like, they're going to be so excited out there. Except for the two people in Clifton Park that have a podcast going, right? That's yeah. The, yeah. It's, a cool, it's a cool place, though. It's, it's a, yeah, but I never got to Montreal. I went to Boston, went to New York City, never went to Montreal, so we'll I'm going to have to come visit that. you. Absolutely. Yeah, um, Montreal is an amazing so, city, multicultural city. It is yeah. by far the most trilingual city in North America. But then, all like, of it, largely unchurched, right? It's like not even close to anything in the United States. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So the history of it, it was historically Catholic, Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. and in the 1960s, they went through what they call the Quiet Revolution mm. and or the Silent Revolution, depending. And uh, and what happened is everybody just left the Catholic Church. Huh. It went from like 80, 85% practicing Catholic. Yeah. To what like, year was this? Uh, 1961, the 62. Uh-huh. Down to, um, I'm trying to remember the exact numbers. Anyway, like say 5, 10%. Wow. Within like a year, huh. one year. Like everybody just left. They just stopped going? They just stopped going. Huh. I, is there studies like why? See, that's the debate, right? So, okay. but you go back to it. Sorry, like, I know I'm probably opening a can of worms. No, you hang okay. out with people. And then, and then that kind of, you know, it was throughout the sixties as well. You hang out with people that are in their sixties, seventies and eighties today. And you ask them about their kind of religious history. It's like, oh yeah, we, we attended the Catholic church and mass and all that until I was 11. And we just stopped. And we just stopped. Yeah. But which, I mean, different, different kind of driver, but we've seen to a degree in COVID in the States, like there's people that just used to come to church all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just stopped going. It's not that they went somewhere else. They just, well, you you know how, how everything kind of shut down during COVID. Like Uh that's kind of what happened with the Catholic church, except for there was no COVID. It was just like dividing line in the sand. It was incredible. So, so that's why they call it, but there was no organizing factor. There was no, and there were no like protests or anything like that. So that's why they call it the quiet revolution. That's so Just everything shifted at that moment. And also it was around that period of time. And we're talking about the province of Quebec. Uh So just to get an idea, you drive East to New York city. Yeah. You hang a left. Yeah. You drive north. Past Clifton Park. <laughs> past Clifton Park. <laughs> you stop. You grab, Highway 87. You grab lunch or something yeah, through the Adirondacks. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Coming out of the Adirondacks, there is you just You can maybe this... stop at Lake Placid, but you keep going. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah, Plattsburgh. Yeah. Um, maybe you don't stop in Plattsburgh, but... Uh, stop at the border. Show Lake your Lake Champlain is great. Get across. And it's just amazing, like this... this French-speaking people mm-hmm. that are living along the shores of the St. Lawrence River. It's wow. just, it's incredible. Huh. Yeah, and, and it's a different culture. It's a different language, different cultural values. I mean, mm. it's a different way of living life and yes. viewing life and seeing life and, and what, in finding meaning in life. It's really different. That's so fascinating. And so, so uh, my wife's pastor, she's one of the few people who grew up in, in a church there. Um, she and her family, her parents, he invited me. He said, hey, Rob, would you be willing to come, not go to France, but come to Quebec and be a part of starting new churches with me, wow. French-speaking churches in Quebec. Huh. And so the last 20-something years, I've been working with this. So, okay, let me tell you the story of this guy, Louis. All right, okay. his, name, his name is Louis. 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 Hey, Louis. Shout out, Louis. So I'll send Louis a link to this, yeah, yeah, all right? Totally, yeah. Perfect. Louis' Was story, this the pastor? This is the pastor. Okay. When he was a teenager, 
So around the time of the Quiet Revolution, the separatist movement started in Quebec, and that was to separate from Mm. Canada and this whole political thing, like a French-speaking nation in North America. So when Louis, this guy, was a a teenager in the 1970s, he was going door-to-door, like politically, for the separatist movement. And he hated English speakers. Hated, hated, hated. Like hatred is not a too strong of a word. And so he had friends that were extremists. Like he wasn't he wasn't involved in any violence, but a lot of people were. There Mm -hmm. were bombs. There were like there were kidnappings. There was the the FLQ, uh, the uh, almost a terrorist organization. They were like connected with Fidel Castro, like all of this. It was really intense. And so when when Louis would hear like, like of a bomb going off or bad things happening to English speakers. I mean, he was ecstatic. He's like, oh. yes. Wow. Let them all die. Wow. You know? So this is like, sim- I mean, like, no, from, like no. from, from my experience, similar to like what we experienced in Ireland. It's really similar. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of parallels. Yeah, yeah, death to the English. Yeah, no, la- no language like divide, but like, well, yeah. Our, the you could Irish understand can, when you were being cussed out? A little bit. I mean, the Irish could be hard <laughs> to understand. Oh, yeah. the, the, the yeah. sim- similar feeling of being pr- oppressed, like the yeah. English are the ones controlling. And yeah. so his- historically, um, even in Quebec, the the English minority are the ones who they were they were more of the landowners, the factory owners, yeah. the the power brokers, and then the French were the ones who were more of the workers, like blue collar uh-huh. and things like that. And so it was a, a pretty clear dividing line. Yeah. And so Louis, um, man, he. He, yeah, death to the English. Absolutely. Uh, he pers- and so, and what happened though, is then eventually they were able to vote into power the political party that were like, it was his, they were his dreams, right? They were going to bring his a, separatist party, a utopia oh, man. to Quebec. And I mean, it was like he, his whole life, it was in the 1970s when they were elected. This is before... Anyway, um, over the course of the years after they were elected, he became so disillusioned because mm. he's like, for some reason, like this political solution to everything he had been dreaming of his entire life. It was not working. Yeah. These people, some of them are corrupt too. Mm. Yeah. Like they're screwing That's things the up. That's always the shock, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the list of utopias that have worked. Oh man, is a very small oh, list. Oh man, oh man, oh yeah. So yeah, so so follow me here, right? So here's Louis, and I love the fact that his name is Louis, like yeah. French speaking Louis. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's could have been a king. He's about six foot four. Oh man, huge afro, like and like pot smoking hippie, barefoot, like the whole deal, right? Yeah. It's uh, Christmas Eve. He goes to a Christmas Eve service at the Catholic Church, and uh, which people still kind of do, right? He goes in and he's standing in the back, feeling disillusioned. He's, I think he's like 19, 20 or something like that, early 20s. And he hears this priest read, For God so loved the world. Wow. And Louis hears this, and he realizes in that moment, that the world includes everybody, including English speakers. Yes, it does. And his mind is blown. Mm. God's love is so much more radical uh-huh. than any of the radical political movements yeah, that he'd yeah. been following. I see what you did there. 
I like it. Little preacher. Oh, you transitioned your sermon. I love that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or it's the message of your life. I actually. This is just the story of his life. I know. I know. But you know what I mean. Like, but you brought up that text on Sunday, and um. That's pretty. Have amazing. you heard that text before? I mean, it's it's relative. Some people have heard some, of it. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. people have heard of it. I've, yeah, 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 I've heard of it. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so, so, it, that's so awesome. he his life was radically transformed <laughs> by Jesus. He starts living his life, loving people, and he has a heart for the French speaking world. But he completely um, abandoned uh, the hope of a political solution, and he began following a Jesus solution. Now, not that he's anti-politics mm-hmm. like at all, you know, that's, it's just like he, he mm-hmm. put his hope in something else. And then he sat down with me and he said, Rob, you as an English speaker, would you come to Quebec? He's inviting I me to Quebec, it. right? Yeah, yeah. So the guy who'd been preaching like death to the English yeah. his entire life, totally, he invites yeah, yeah. me to Quebec. Yeah. Anyway, just that's, so yeah, that's, and, that's and, amazing. And you, you obviously had this beautiful experience. You know, Louis is not unique uh, I mean, generally, I think the English view has been that God only loves the English-speaking people, let alone, like, you know, right, right, not, right, not right. that they're excluded, they're the only ones included, like, you know, that's like... <laughs> no, no, yeah, like, I mean... That's, that's oh, yeah, not, yeah. You, the, people wrestle with that. Well, the in-group, out-group thing, uh-huh, all of that, yeah. absolutely. We absolutely. all, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, got, yeah. Uh, and so, um, yeah, he he experiences transformation and now is inviting you into this thing that he's starting to see happen, which is just beautiful. Hoping to see happen, maybe is a better word right now. Yeah, we, and so over the last twenty something years, we've worked together. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, man. yeah. And you, um, so you talked a little bit on Sunday about the stint you had here at South. Uh, Rob served on staff for a short period of time here, and you hinted at a few of the elements to that. It was a very tumultuous and beautiful season of life. Um, Oh, it was amazing. It was incredible. Cancer, yeah. all these things. And a lot then, of layers, a lot of layers. Then he served uh, back in France for a while um, and then back in Montreal. Um, but the French-speaking yes. world is a strong gravitational port, pull for So we're going to, I think, Rob. turn a corner to talk about something. But if you could clear up something for me that uh, it could, I could easily Google. I feel it. Yeah, but all right. It's, okay. it's very simple. So, so I, I lived in Detroit for years. So I love hockey. Uh, so I'm a huge Red Wings fan. I hate the Habs, so you know that's like I hate the Habs as well. So that works out great. Oh man! Like you know, I, so, so that's not where I want to go. Really, we all know that the the Canadians or to use the their Bruins? official name, like that. You know, I don't like them either. Okay, um, <laughs> but but they're intolerable. Um, what I've never been able to figure out is where do the Quebec Nordiques actually play? Where where are they? Because I I don't know enough about Quebec to know like what other cities are there. Where are they oh, from? Oh, Quebec City. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, this Quebec City. I yeah, that. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, the most beautiful city in North America. Is it really? Absolutely. What's so beautiful about it? Well, first of all, it's the only walled city in North America. What? So there's a wall going all the way around it. That's you, you, amazing. You didn't know this? And you love walls. What? <laughs> <laughs> hey, walls, walls? It's one of your favorite things that you were like preaching about yeah, walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Sunday. build some more. Build Absolutely. More yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. And okay. there, well, yeah, it, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, that's pretty ironic. So yeah, it's walls. So, okay. There are cannons like all around oh, the city. Oh, wow. So it's like and almost so, like fortress city. Oh, absolutely. And then there's, you know, there's the whole fortress like above the city. You huh. walk, I mean, it, and so it's just, I mean, when you walk into the, to the old part of Quebec City, it's like you're walking into the like 1500s. Uh, and so like, that's not, yeah, I was going to say that's, that's not like a... Uh, 
Well, steady on. There's no history over here before the 1500s. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Unless, okay. you, unless, you, unless you go Native American history, like we've yeah. got the history. I've got some quotes uh, here. All right. <laughs> so okay, we're gonna but, but <laughs> spoken like a true English. This, but, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Or American. Uh, right. This, yeah. Um, the, yeah and history the, began in 1770. I feel like Ameri- <laughs> yeah. I feel like Americans get not enough representation in this podcast because <laughs> neither one of us is fully like I'm like mostly American. Yeah. But I grew up overseas, so. Um, sorry, everyone who the majority of our listeners who are listeners who are Americans, if you feel underrepresented, uh, we apologize. <laughs> in fairness, you're Aaron, in America Aaron, listening to this podcast. Yes. Aaron apologizes. <laughs> but these, the, these cannons are all from, I imagine, like some of the, the conflicts between England and France in terms of Canadian rule and stuff like that. England and France. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, was yeah. The, that was the thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, and that was like the famous battle on the Plains of Abraham. Um, back in the 1500s and that is when the british took control when the france kind of signed quebec over over to wow to the the british and um so when charles de gaulle Uh french general yeah yeah. after world war ii he came over and visited the plains of abraham yeah so we're talking after we're talking what 400 years after the the french Mm -hmm. signed away the the uh Quebec wow. So 400, 400 years later, 400 years later, you talk about memory. Uh-huh. Charles de Gaulle's visiting. Uh-huh. He's the French president, the Plains of Abraham. And some Quebecois stand in front of him and they confront him. And they say, this is the spot where you abandoned us wow. 400 years ago. Yeah. And so what happened is he felt, I would, I'm like... <laughs> Like, I am so sorry. <laughs> so then, so he, he felt terrible about that. Charles de Gaulle. He's like, we did. We abandoned you. I mean, talk, we're talking about centuries long, right? So which he, is just like, is so like American mind. <laughs> it's like, I don't get it. But like know, most of the rest yeah. of the world's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. This um, is so like Ireland as well. Like you go, well, it's like William, William the third did this. <laughs> like, you know. So I was in, yeah, I was in Marseille uh-huh. a few years ago just to speak to that. And, uh, and somebody asked me where I was living. I was like, I'm living in Montreal. I was like, oh, when was Montreal founded? It was like, oh, like 1630 or something like that. I was like, oh man, that's like a really young city. Uh-huh. Like that's like yeah. a modern city. And I'm like, yeah. that's right. When is Marseille founded? It's like, we're not sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. thousands of years ago. It's been yeah. here for a yeah. while. Yeah. And Marseille yeah. is a great city. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Charles de Gaulle feels bad about this. I know. I, I just had, I just, I do just too passionate. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 keep going. So he organizes a trip to come to Ottawa to visit, like, from uh, yeah, as a French president uh-huh. to visit uh, the Canadian Prime Minister in 1967. But he decides to do it by ship. He doesn't fly. Huh. He takes a boat because he doesn't want to arrive in Ottawa first. He wants to arrive in Montreal first. Wow. He's still feeling terribly guilty uh-huh. about what happened on the plains of Abraham. Yeah, yeah. 400 years early. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, 400. I'm, I, it was actually in the 1758, uh, 200 years early. I, di- I didn't want to correct it, but you no, know. No, please do. Like, please right, do. Like, yeah. yeah, my math. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, 200 uh, years. Two fine. centuries. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, either way. Charles de Gaulle. 100 and plus years, years prior to his birth. Yeah. Okay, I know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, all, yeah. All, all of my yeah. friends in Quebec are screaming at me. Right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like yeah. come on, know your history. I mean, like, exactly. <laughs> you studied this. No, we're right. speaking English. They're like those. No, I'm just <laughs> so he, he, he makes a pit stop in Montreal en route to wow. Ottawa. He stays like in the in downtown. He walks out in the morning and he gives a speech mm-hmm. like on the balcony. 
there are a couple thousand people out there. And he gives like a nine-minute speech. You can watch it on YouTube. It's wow. in French. And he finishes the speech saying, long live, you know, vive la France, mm -hmm. vive le Québec, mm. vive le Québec libre. Oh, wow. So long live France, uh -huh. long live Quebec, long live free Quebec. Uh -huh. When he says that, everything erupts. Wow. And the separatist movement begins. Wow. And the Canadian prime minister is furious. Uh -huh. Like, and so. I bet he is. He, oh, he, he never intended to go to Ottawa. Like Charles de Gaulle, it was all a front. It was all a front. He was never going. Never going. You've got to explain to a whole. He, he hops. I'm oh, sorry. You've got to explain to a whole bunch of people why you keep saying Ottawa because it's the capital of Canada. Hold on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, actually yeah. this. Have you guys seen this movie, Canadian? Oh bacon? no, you're right. Okay. Have you seen I haven't bacon? seen it. Oh, haven't so seen it's it. this whole like thing about like the, the there's no war and the president of America's popularity standings like diminishing so he, he goes to the Russians and oh, says no. can we turn up the dial on the the old cold war and they're like no 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 we just want vh1 and like you know we're not we're not interested so they decide to start a fake war with canada uh, and yeah, in as the one does. midst of this john, john candy ends up trying to rescue a friend from over at the other side of the the, the border in um, buffalo like into into um to canada there and they find out their friend's been taken to the capital. And it's like, good, we're going to Toronto. And the guys are like, no, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the capital of Canada. It's like, okay, fine, Vancouver. It's like, no, no, no. Montreal, no, no, no. And they keep trying to tell the guy, it's like, it's Ottawa. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> That's funny. So isn't there, isn't there the joke, like, like Americans learn geography, like, like by the countries we invaded, like you know, like I think that's the British. <laughs> when we invade like, a country, you're like, wait a minute, where is this? Like, and yeah, then we yeah, find yeah. it. Oh, no, that's no, no. where. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think we're all a little guilty of that as, as colonial building nations. Oh man. Oh yeah. man. Anyway, the last last part is so yeah. Charles de Gaulle, like he hops in a plane and he flies back to France. Wow. And that is, was the beginning. Like that was the match to the separatist movement in Quebec. This started, it went from the 1960s until, until about 1995. Huh. So there was a big movement for Quebec to separate and become a French-speaking nation. Wow. Which I think so, would be kind of cool, but I'm not, you know. I always, yeah. I always think my you delightful know. humor around Canada, Canadian-British relations, uh, that, that somehow we managed to get twice as many people as you into like this tiny little nation. There's <laughs> like 30 million Canadians, right? Something like we're that. like close to 40 now. Uh, 40, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're growing. Uh, and there's we'll 70 million people in Britain, which fits like into, I don't know, like I know. half a Canadian province. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, but you're still it's like... It's very cool. On all our it's currency, very cool. you still like visit as if you're... And it's just, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's I, it's cold, but it's beautiful. I'm intrigued. We should we should close our episode with you two arm wrestling. Actually, that would maybe and make I, both nations happy. Uh, no, because <laughs> because joking. the British because we not are all about we we want to advocate for political separate separation and advocate for <laughs> political. We are we're like pro walls here or no? Uh, actually, speaking of which, can I transition to the sermon? <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's we're, go. We're, uh, we're 30 minutes in. We have 15 minutes left, and we haven't oh, wow. even gotten to the sermon. Wait, hold on a second. Since when do we finish after 45 minutes? Although I did drop into... You did tell me that we needed to leave sort of on time-ish. Well, I did, and I also was chatting to a, a, a listener the other day who yeah. said, yeah, it's a great podcast. Like, I, I kind of turn off after about 45 minutes. Like, oh, some of them are just no. too long. 
All right. Most of the good stuff happens in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> We've right, tried so, to tell this so to people. We've we got some great stuff coming up in the next couple of minutes. I mean, it's, it's going to be blowing It's going to be yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah. All the way up until the hour. All right, so, now let's, uh, fig- let's figure out what I'm going to start this spicy question. Hopefully. Hopefully spicy. Mm. So I had this sense, just from brief interaction with you on Sunday, that you, uh, you're you like, I'm going to say some heavy things or some potentially heavy things. Um. And I want you to tell tell our listeners what were the things that you were planning on saying that you were most concerned about. I don't know if concerned is right. Not um, concerned, but yeah, like but a yeah. burden. Uh, you had yeah, a burden no, no, right. about mm. this might land slightly heavy for uh, for this congregation. Just when I, when I come into the into the U.S. and speak, I, I do feel like um, my role uh, is somewhat prophetic in that sense because mm. i'm coming in from a different perspective mm. and so um i mean i don't want to just turn over tables right you know and i don't want to be i want to be respectful mm. and honoring and at the same time there is something important about hearing from people who are coming from a different perspective and are lovers of jesus mm. yeah and uh and that'd be true vice versa too right so so if yeah. one of you guys were speaking somewhere else in the world it'd be the same kind of thing yeah americans don't know yeah. enough about the other part of the world though to do that so <laughs> uh, uh just, so there, uh, I mean, there yeah there there are um we're, this is an anti-american podcast <laughs> that was you i know <laughs> like, i'm sorry a, i'm supposed to be representing a uh, carry on pro um, jesus love yeah yes. um and love people so really um i've if i want to go go really into it um when you i i've never seen a presentation on the history of God's mission mm. that took the issues of abuse, of um, genocidal related things, apartheid. I mean, just a, a lot of the things, the colonizations, a lot of the things that were, um, I mean, I'm not opposed to, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a, a moral, like this is always right or always wrong to, to, to interact with other nations or whatever. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, but yeah. the fact is that, that there in history, there have been a lot of really evil things that have been done in the name of Jesus. Um, and let's just, and if I bring it up to the modern day right now, there are people listening right now who have been profoundly, mm. profoundly hurt by the church and by people who claim the name of Jesus. Definitely. And, uh, and my guess yeah. is probably the three of us would probably, I, Alex, I don't know your story as well, mm. um, but um, have also shed a lot of tears mm. um, by things that happened to us, by people who claim the name of Christ and by the church. And so how do we make sense of that? Mm. Like, how do we hold on to the fact that, so for me. Um, like how do you continue to embrace a faith that that continually happens? in the name of Jesus, like it, yeah. there's like this dissonance, like I like Jesus, yeah, but yeah. these key, these things happen when it gets, I like Jesus. I, I even love the community of the body of Christ, mm, yeah. you know, in, in, in its expression is, is so beautiful in so many different areas. Mm. And then sometimes it gets so twisted yeah. and destructed. Yeah. So it's, it's yes. And so my, um, let, let's just, if I, if I said it really clearly, there have been times when I've been facing such difficult circumstances, abusive things, d- destructive things in the name of Jesus in the modern day, like right in my life. 
that I've wanted to just say, I want to renounce the whole thing. Mm -hmm. This whole Christianity thing. Like I, I, I want nothing to do with it. And, 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 and then, and then there's Jesus mm -hmm. and he's drawing me mm -hmm. and I'm just, it's all of it. Mm. It's, it's all of that at the same time. Yeah. Mm. And so my intention was to try to present, be honest with, mm. with all of that and mm. give a historical precedent for mm. it and just, and look out at people who've been hurt and look out at people who also struggle with the same thing and say, you're not crazy. Yeah. Like this is true. So what I loved about what you did, because I don't know if you knew this, because you obviously aren't here all the time. We'd actually just done a series just before this um, that was around vision called Yes, dot, 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 if. Mm. Which was really around that kind of silent question of like, does the church even matter anymore? Should we just like discard the whole thing? Because we've all seen ways that that's just really toxic. Absolutely. Like we've, we've and South, for whatever reason, we've, we always joke like, right, you know, we're calling people to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. A lot of that is people that are on that verge of like, I don't know if I want to be involved in this thing anymore. Like we're, there's just a lot of us on staff that have been through <laughs> those things. Right. Um, yeah, it's become increasingly over the years a, a church community that's safe for the person who's like, I'm not sure I'm still in this thing. Yeah. But they they're they keep showing up. To this right. place and sometimes we employ them yeah uh, and, <laughs> sometimes um, we like, are them yeah sometimes yeah, we, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. So, so like we we we'd wrestled with some of that like tension of like there's things that the church has done local and worldwide mm. that, that are just super toxic there's a call to live in particular ways that jesus lived that are maybe the 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 antidote to that mm -hmm. um and, and so they're like that's what i would say south's call is to live in a way that that is grounded in the ethics and principles of Jesus, not in, in some of the ways the church has operated. What I loved that you did is you, you just really showed people how that call's not new. That, that call to, to be a Jesus-like church in the midst of other churches, not to blame and like not to say we're the only one trying to do this. There's, there's so many great churches It's complicated, right? But, it but, is. but like there are some, some churches and people in the name of Jesus doing horrific things sometimes because they know it and sometimes not knowing it. Right. Um, but that's not, that, that's not a 21st century thing that's been around for hundreds of years. There's been intolerable right. things happening in the midst of wonderful. I mean, I loved your Francis of Assisi example, like in the midst of the crusades that like, that, like we've had this. Yeah, he like travels with them. Yeah. Yes. And decides to not be them. And we, That's we, a complicated calling. Like, imagine the complexity of like chumming with the guys, yeah, 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 whilst deeply disagreeing with everything they're participating. Yeah. You're seeing atrocities. So you're seeing Rwanda-esque atrocities in front of you. Like, yeah. that's, what, that's what he's totally. witnessing. Yes. Yeah, and and I mean, right. I feel like even in the last like thirty years, we've shifted from. Yeah. You know, you you went back like thirty years ago, and every Christian school sports team were called the Crusaders. Right. Like it was like it was a badge of honor, and now they're all called the Knights or the Eagles. Like it's yeah. like, like yeah. we've we've gone like a little bit, you know. But but that pro crusade ideology is not that old in the mainstream churches, right? Um, yeah. So so now like we're very clear. None of that. There's a, there's so much dishealth there, um, and yet there were people that were the same core that we're trying to embrace at South. 
there were people living that out a thousand years ago. Um, and, and then you have like another another person that stuck out to me was Rebecca Proton. You know, she yeah. is a Moravian mm. leader. Yeah. And a lot of people, she's not very well known. People call her the mother of modern missions. Mm -hmm. So she's a former slave. Mm -hmm. She has black skin. Mm -hmm. She's married to a white husband. Wow. All right. She becomes a church leader, preacher, mm -hmm. minister. Uh, and she, her life is spent traveling from the Caribbean to West Africa to the Euro Europe. Mm. And in that triangle in the 1700s. Wow. So she has like this biracial marriage. Mm -hmm. She's a church leader as a black woman during the slave trade. I mean, it's yeah. just like the most impossible of circumstances. And she's exemplifying the love of Christ wow. for, in all of the most difficult places. So that's like, a, that's another example. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just um, the kind of power that she exuded mm -hmm. the kind of, of gentle, subversive mm -hmm. kind of power mm. that is so, and again, and then like Elizabeth Elliot, like mm -hmm. that story of the, yeah. that this tribe that murdered her husband yeah. and she walks in totally with her daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just these, yes. yeah. So getting to your sort of big idea for the message was, okay, there's like, uh, Christians, all throughout history, our time included, have tried to acquire a voice for Christianity through a, several different means. Uh, some of them have ch chosen, uh, let's try and get political power, and mm -hmm. that's gone horribly wrong. Every single over time. And over time. and over and yeah. over again. Christians have tried to get um, Can you just say like that, that, media that, power. That's not saying that, that Christians shouldn't be involved in the yeah. political system. Uh, totally. It's trying to harness politi political power for the cause of Christ, mm -hmm. that's when everything goes haywire. Mm -hmm. And so, so what I heard you're saying in your message is that and there is a power that is, there's a power that's so much more palpable, but it looks, it looks weaker. Yeah. It's this power of love, which you talked about on Sunday. That was your, sort of your thesis is that yes. this power that you just described in a marginalized, deeply marginalized individual the power of God's pursuing love has greater impact on the entire world long term than any political party has ever had. That any like is am I describing that correctly? Yeah, and it's um that that kind of kind of power that's transformative power. I don't I don't know. Now I'm feeling uncomfortable using the word power, right? But yeah. but it's yeah, it's it's the maybe it, 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 lo it is. love is the maybe one God ordained power. So so I think that the struggle for me is because I, I feel the same tension. Like so so I I feel like historically groups of people have harnessed politics, economics, or religion in order to gain power. Like that, yeah. so power is the thing that's been chased. Um, like and they've used these other things to to try and get to that. The kingdom of God, the Jesus way, seems to be to lay down power and, and choose a different way. To and take up love, way. right? Like right, it right. Takes up love as the principle. Um, and so when I was using the word power, I'm not talking about anything overt, anything yeah. I'm harnessing. I'm just talking about the effect of yes, it, exactly, which is yeah, different. Yeah yeah, 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 totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so there there is power as a like a, as a control thing. 
Uh, and then there is The Power of Love, which is a song. But, but also, <laughs> um, like, love is the goal there, as opposed to power. Um, mm. We have seen people all over the place, including churches, chase power as a goal. Um, uh, and, and Jesus doesn't seem to do that and doesn't seem to ask his church to do that. The early churches are marginalized people primarily. Like, and you start to see the way it starts to spread to all levels of society, as you said on Sunday. But even then, like there's, there's a, there's a, in the early church, at least a laying down of privilege because of that, mm -hmm. um, which is just fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, I'm intrigued by like how you highlighted all these people all of whom um, picked up something about Jesus' message, and, and usually with cost, like the Moravians you talked about. Like Zinzendorf, not trying to be a religious leader, he actually starts by just giving people some land to live on. Right, right. And then feels this right, need religious to shepherd them. Refugees uh -huh. that were from all of these different yeah. denominations, and they brought all of their arguments with them. Uh -huh. Which is again one another thing we do, right? We yeah. we yes. go to so yes, and so these people are all arguing about, you know, what is Theology, the what is yeah. the nature of the sacraments? You yeah. know, is yeah. that you know do who do we baptize when? You know, the, all of these things. Totally. And yeah. Zinzendorf's like, well, someone's got to kind of provide some structure, but it's kind of he's kind of reticent to do it. Really, he doesn't right. really want to get involved on that level. Um, mm. And I think there's just something intriguing about this season of the church that we're in. This was actually some of my own wrestling with stepping into a lead pastor role. Um, actually, just my own hatred of being in charge of anything. Like mm. an in charge, again, like funny, funny phrase, but like just actually just never wanting that really. Like there was no aspirational level within me. And, and there was this kind of phase of my life of wrestling with why, why does that seem like it's being offered? Um, and, and getting this sense from God that actually, no, the, the lack of desire was going to be a positive thing in this mm -hmm. season where the church has seen people grasping for power and abusing people to get it. It was actually going to be a positive thing. Not, not that that would make me perfect doing it, but that it mm -hmm. would, it was a good place to start from. So um, the, the Moravian Zinzendorf story, which is applicable he came to a point where like he wasn't able to convince these people to get mm -hmm. along. He couldn't do it. Yeah. Like he's going from house to house. He's a noble. Yeah. He has all, yeah. of, he has the position. He has the authority. He has all of this, but he can't change their hearts. Right. And then there's this event known as the Moravian Pentecost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where people are praying and it turns into this hours long time of weeping and of repentance mm -hmm. and where people started looking to the person on their left and right and saying, yeah, I know we disagree on some of these things, but you, I love you as mm -hmm. a brother in Christ. I love you as a sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we are now we're, we're unified in Christ. I'm yeah. sorry for the things I've said. Mm. I'm sorry for the ways I've acted. And so when I think about South or any of the church, it's not that we're perfect. It's not no. that we yeah. haven't hurt each other. We have. Mm -hmm. And, we can repent. We can mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness. We can weep with each other, mm. and and we can let the spirit bring healing. Mm. And um, that's what happened at the Moravian Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And it was only after that that we see these this incredible 
call it a, a missions movement, but it's a movement where the way it worked is then people would leave in community, like multiple families would move to another country and set up a new community, mm. set up and organized around this loving, unified relationship mm. in Christ. Mm. Yeah. And so they would move right into the heart of whatever that other community and that other nation people was, were, were and they would live that out in the heart of it. Mm. And so then other, everybody in that village, whatever, could could witness, mm -hmm. this is what it looks like to love one another. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like to mm. to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And, and their whole emphasis was on this relational aspect over and above theological distinctives. Yeah. And they were criticized for this, like, totally. big yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So, But man... Yeah. That speaks to me today, right now, right? But 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 also speaks to sorry, and I know you Go were going to, but, but speaks to how we're called to love each other as fellow followers of Jesus across lines. Like so, so I I wrote as part of my one of my degrees about William Carey. He was really I love this one of my degrees. I forget which one, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Might have been both. Um, <laughs> right. But but he he. He was really heavily influenced by the Moravians um, and what he'd seen there goes to India. It takes him years to see anyone come to follow Jesus, partly because he has this incredible high bar on what it means to follow Jesus. So his mm -hmm. first principle was when you start following Jesus, the first thing you have to do is break caste. Like you're, the caste system in India with its rigid hierarchies, his first principle is you Talk can't follow radical. Jesus and have a caste hierarchy. And so he has all these people that are kind of like, well, no, we, we're happy to become Christians. We're not breaking caste. And he's like, no, 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 you don't break caste, you're not a Christian. So he, he, he will take these like people from the higher caste, these Brahmins, um, and he'll say, no, no, you will, like, you will sit and eat with someone who's not of the same caste as you. That's a marker for me of you deciding to follow Jesus. And so like one of the things he celebrates the most is the day that they, they have a Brahmin who marries someone of a caste lower than them because mm. he's like, today the thing's broken. Like this, this hierarchy system is broken. Mm. Like, so, so like this, this invite that Jesus has yes. is so much bigger than anything that can divide. Um, if you allow it to be. So which, which just brings up, I think for, if you're listening and you're like, yeah, this is a great history lesson. Mm -hmm. It does see, seem distant to maybe our daily lives. Right. Because you're like, oh, yeah, caste system. Like, no, 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 no. This is so charged, like massively politically charged in the India caste system, for example. Like, this is their entire cultural mm -hmm. infrastructure for right. how society works. Or um, the all, all these other examples you're talking about. Like, these, these are massively saturated cultural things. So when we bring it home to very near and dear, let's just... Um, say our political system there's this perception um on both parties that if we can just get the right person mm. yeah. in charge that believes at least a, the majority of the things ethically that i believe then we're gonna finally win or at least can give voice to it even if they don't believe it or whatever yeah whatever like the they, thing is they're there yeah. or allow for my worldview to exist palatably mm -hmm. That's the biggest potential win for my religious worldview. Mm -hmm. And um, reading between the lines, the message of that you preached Sunday, and I think the message of Jesus is that's not the goal. 
the goal is that the kingdom would come. The kingdom of God, not the kingdom of America, mm. not the kingdom of uh, a single political party, not any of those kingdoms. Like those kingdoms, um, they can be dismantled and oh, so be it. Mm. It's actually more a matter of the kingdom of God coming. So um, how how do you live? How do you engage the political space in a given context? You could fill in the blank on any oh, given man. context and still stay engaged. Like we're not saying, like you just said it early, we're not saying don't disengage the political system. Mm. How do you do this? Right. What, so, yeah, you like have a, tips and tricks, like, tips and tricks on how to engage this. Uh, William Wilberforce. In two minutes. Yeah. The, <laughs> just the thought about leaving the politics and John Newton told him to stay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so this is the, man. So when Jesus talks about loving your enemies, you know, he's talking about, loving the Romans. So that'd be the equivalent right now to seeing Ukrainians loving Russians. Yeah. This is like the Tutsis loving Hutus question, right? Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, this is the Democrats loving the Republicans, the vice versa, but this is vice versa. Yeah. This is the absolute like fire of seeing the person in front of you made in God's image with value and loving them for it first mm-hmm. before we see anything else. Any, any, now there are, are a lot of other people are complicated, right? We have all of these layers to us, societies, all these, but this is the, and then sitting down with that person, whatever political party, whatever color of their skin, whatever sexual orientation, mm-hmm. whatever, and sitting down, and listening and loving and weeping and laughing and all of it. Like it has to start there. I think so. It has to start with this deep love. Can we list some more of them for people to try and some of these tensions in the modern context yeah. for an, an evangelical Christian? Um, I think it's helpful for us to just name what they are. Name it. So like, um, so in Quebec, they're a little bit different. But yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, some of them might be like the woke culture. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not in that space, you're like, this is terrifying. They're threatening the church. Mm-hmm. Like everything is like, uh, or LGBTQ uh, conversations. Like, okay, the, well, let me just jump into the woke piece right there. Yeah. So, just one of the things that I'm convinced that we need to call out, yeah, is that followers of Christ, we do not use derogatory terms to define other people. Yeah. We don't do that. Yeah. So we're using terms like, and again, you know, when I'm talking to the evangelical church, leftist, woke, whatever, yep. like those, these, these are terms that tend towards dehumanizing. Mm. This is not right. Mm. Yeah. This is not right for us as people of God to talk about other people who are created in God's image. Well, even like, and it, right? even if it's not intended derogatorily, any, right. any group vague term, Right. He's yep. going to dehumanize. It's no longer about a person. It's about a um, a, a group of people. And, and, and th- there's so many fascinating historical el- elements there. You know, the, the joke about British people during the Second World War is we, we were actually quite able to talk about how horrific the Germans were and right. talk about what they'd do if they ever came across a German in England. And then the first, like, fighter pilot that crash-landed in their town, they would give like sandwiches to mm. and like beer to and, and like send them safely on their way because they saw a human being. Right. When they'd yeah. only saw a scene before, like a, a, a stereotype or a, 
you know, like a, an archetype or whatever of, of that person. So, so I think like, actually, you're right, the conversation piece, it matters across all these divides. Mm-hmm. And um, we can be honest that we disagree about things. But isn't the hard and part? And we totally. do. But isn't the hard part, like yeah. in, any, in any conflict, whether it's verbal or physical, someone has to be the first person to lay down the sword. And the mm. risk there is that you, you, you might get killed. Jesus um, did. Yeah, he, he, totally, he totally did. But I, I remember yeah. hearing a, a, a guy out of Rwanda talking Ar- about... by the religious people. But yes. Yeah, here, yeah. I remember hearing a guy out of Rwanda talking about going back to his town um, mm. after the genocide and finding that there was someone living in his house. And after some time, they persuaded the person to move out. But he found himself living across uh, tribal lines in a way that he hadn't before. Huh. And he said, you know, there was this one time where um, the neighbor's son threw a rock at um, at his son and nearly killed him. And he said he was so mad and he got like a cane and he beat this kid and sent him back to his, his house. Hmm. And he said, I got home and I just was hit by like this sense of like conviction. But no, 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 that wasn't my responsibility. Um, I was, I was out of line. So I went to the person again, across tribal lines and repented and Mm. said, I just want to say like, God has convicted me as a follower of Jesus. I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Uh, And he said, this guy was just blown away. Well, he was like, wait, my son nearly killed your son and you've come to me and asked my forgiveness. And he was like, well, yeah, that's what following Jesus is. It's like, you know, being able to confess my own brokenness, even in the face of believing other people are way worse. Yes, and he said it brought healing to the relationship because he was willing to go mm-hmm. and and be vulnerable. It, there's a whole vulnerability to to being able to accept someone who's different and have conversation and not try to fix, not try to to change. Yeah, and and to to sit in that pain of the other person, even if I'm not the one mm. who personally caused it. Yeah, yeah, that's not the issue. Like, it's not that I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. The thing is that. That pain is real. Yeah. Yeah, to acknowledge it, to sit in solidarity, which you did for that moment of silence in the service. And so um, so the reason I want to name it, because this is one of the things we do on the episode, we just go for the jugular, is just name the things that people may feel, because then it brings it closer. Like if we squirm a little bit, Mm -hmm. then maybe that's when we're starting to feel the actual weight of, Mm-hmm. of what Jesus was actually trying to challenge his day mm-hmm. culturally and what these incredible stories were that you went through a ton of them in their day. It was this squirm feeling that their cultural situation was. And so if you're feeling uh, like, yeah, that's cool. Great story. So far away, so distant. No, it got, it has to come close. So your, your invitation is essentially to sit with, get to know, have conversations with uh, and demonstrate the love of God first. And then conversations about right or wrong and ethics and all these sorts of things come um, potentially, and they're fine. You can carry your convictions into those conversations, but the first responsibility is love. Absolutely. I I think I agree with that. And, And then like the wrestling part, I think that comes after that is what does forgiveness and reconciliation look like? Um, when, when, you know, cause, and again, we're talking about some things that don't fit neatly into a box. We're talking about how we see people that believe differently to us. We're also talking about like historically 
how we've seen people that have been wounded by other nations, hurt by mm -hmm. the church, all of those different things. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like we're at this inflection point in the States at the moment around, uh, around slavery um, and, and around um, civil rights. Like, yeah. we're, at, we're at this point where we're asking what needs to be done or can be done towards making it right, this conversations around reparations, all these different yeah. things. But the, the lurking question to me that's all, almost unspoken is, can there ever be a moving beyond it? And, hmm. and, and sometimes you look at it and say, well, eventually time does something, um, p potentially. But no, no one in England right now is bitter about the Romans. Like we don't, we don't use that language when there are Italians a couple a couple visit. of like history majors right that are, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 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 but but, <laughs> yeah, but some we, nerd we don't in a like an Italian yeah. comes to visit and we right, don't right. I mean Britain was hugely oppressed and and I mean demolished at one point by the Roman Empire but there's not still that sense of like no this is super painful which suggests like there's a healing in in some subjects that just mm -hmm. hasn't happened yet. Well, can I, I mean, so when we, we walk through scripture and we look at reconciliation, there's clearly individual reconciliation mm -hmm. between people yeah. who were, they were the perpetrators, mm -hmm. the per people who, who harmed. And there, I mean, scripture constantly talks about group reconciliation mm -hmm. and representatives of. Yeah. And so, um, like the story about when, um, um, my mind's going blank right now. You have representatives of the Amalekites who come mm -hmm. to David and yeah. they say, yeah. Saul did this to yeah, us. Yeah. And David, he didn't say, well, I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. He said, you were harmed yeah. by our people. Uh -huh. And so me as the leader of our people in a representative way, I'm, I'm going, my desire yeah. is to seek reconciliation mm -hmm. as a representative. Mm. And that's one story for me that is so powerful yeah. talking about groups can also reconcile mm -hmm. even re in representative fashion. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think it's super hard for a, the one, the Western mind in general, but specifically for a very like, uh, um, American mentality, which is very individualistic mm -hmm. to even understand why there's any connection whatsoever between me and the actions of previous generations. Mm -hmm. But we um, feel it though. We feel it in our nervous system, mm -hmm. in our soul. I, I'm not, I'm not arguing I mean? against it. No, no, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying yeah. like, it is so difficult, but let me, let me tell you, like that's a very unique thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Most of the world understands this and feels it even more palpably. Right. Uh, American culture and Western individualism, the movement of individualism is a very young reality and it's yeah. a very unique reality yeah. we are that we are the minority in the planet and so if we have this thing of like well why do they expect this from us well the we're we're actually the minority if we think individualistically mm. both historically and in our current world population thinking communally is a much more common reality in the world and they're onto something and the science is starting to catch up with the reality that there is yeah. deep ties. Talk about scripture and generational sin, generational blessing. There are so we're more tied together than we wish that we were as individuals. Um, in a, in oh American yeah, and there's so many interesting elements to that. Like in terms of like, you know, and you've done it really successfully by the sounds of it. But like, can you just move location? 
and it not affect you in some way. No, it affects you. Yeah. There's yeah. always grieving. Like, like, always. Yeah. You, yes. There's a tie. Can't help it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember one guy wrote a poem called uh, Transient. And he, he ended with this line, the only the only people that respect their elders, the only places that respect their elder, elders are the ones with no highways. Um, because you can't just, mm. you can't just move. That's a good line. Like you, you, you're like, you're tied to each other. Mm. So, so, and, and then all this research, like, I mean, we, we're, we're out of time, but like, like Blue Zones, there's a whole new thing on Netflix mm. about Blue Zones yeah. and how like, yeah, staying together in community is a huge driver. To can I, can I? Finish with a beautiful story or not? Yeah, yeah. Yes, and then I actually want to follow up with a couple final questions. <laughs> Do it, yeah. But, um, so one, we didn't hardly get into your ministry at all, which no. is a shame. You told some great stories, some history. Um, we know that you're involved with churches in, in, in that. It, how can they find out more about uh, what's going on in the ministry there? Is, can they email you, call you? Do you have a website? I have Where a website, would you Robert, Robert Karsh or robertkarsh.com. Yeah, so my website, and then also I'm working with an organization called World Venture, the company yeah. com. So just passionate about Jesus being known. Yeah. So if someone wa- does want to yeah. pray for you, connect with you, yeah. find ways to support you, and I'm on like the social media stuff too. So yeah. I'm not super active, but I'm I'm there. That's good. Yeah. That's probably healthy that you aren't. Yeah. But um, and then another one is what's your tattoo on your arm? Long, I know it's a super long story, probably because yeah. I know you, and there is hardly anything. <laughs> uh, I, so Rob doesn't seem like someone who me has meaningless tattoos. It's new since I know yeah. you, have known you. Yeah, I don't know if you can see it, but um, it's um, like a bird. Uh, is it it's a, a dove? A dove. It's a dove. Yeah. Um, just in the last year and a half, I've had to to I was face to face with quite a few really significant abuse situations mm. in churches and church leaders. And, um, which just ripped my heart out. And, uh, I actually, um, was really struggling in a, in a big way. And, uh, I met with a, uh, a counselor and I said, I think I'm going to like a depression or something. And, and my counselor, you know, I just shared all these different things that I was going through and facing and, 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 the counselor said that that's, that's not depression. Like that's trauma. Like that's it, yeah. on multiple levels and said, Rob, you need, you need to. And, uh, strongly recommended I find like a trauma center and, uh, and I go for a couple of days, at least into wow. like a trauma t- just to really work through some of these things. Cause when you're dealing with abuse and sexual abuse and things, it's just, a, it's, it's terrible. Mm. Yeah. So, um, when I came out the other end of that, like one of the, the things that I did was I got this and um, um, one of the things that signified was my prayer that the Holy Spirit would work through this, through me and through this hand, that it would always bring peace and mm. always be safe, mm. always, and never bring harm. Mm. And so um, on my right, so this is the, the Trinity and then the Holy Spirit working through my, yeah, my right it. arm as yeah, a symbol of, of healing and the Spirit can bring healing in some of the worst of circumstances. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what it signifies for, for Well, thanks. Me. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Did you want to still share your story? So yeah, it's along, yeah. along the lines of this. Um, just, just recently I was talking with the uh, director of a missions organization and, um, back in the 1950s and sixties, there was a, um, a boarding school 
in Japan. And uh, a lot of the kids were, were sexually abused at that school. It's, it's a really hard story, but it's, it's, um, and this was, um, so just, you know, horrific, horrific things. And, um, it came to light in the last, I don't know, last few years, what happened and the victims that are, that are still alive. Um, they're in their, I think in their seventies, eighties, that, that age range. And, um, several different, it was a long process and it sounds like by some amazing people that were competent they had training they um counselors theologians missions leaders all of these things and um what happened is that that a number of missions organizations had sent their missionary kids to the school so there are multiple mission organizations that their kids were abused which is horrific right mm, it's like yeah. the worst thing imaginable um, so, um, they were going through this process and the, the, the leader that, that, that I met with, he was sharing, um, I mean, his heart was broken and also all of these things happened like even way before, before, like before he was born. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so he personally doesn't have any response. You know, he, it wasn't him mm -hmm. individually. And yet that pain is still there. Mm -hmm. That, that the life that these kids mm. and then adults lived is still there. Yeah. And so what they did is um, there's this whole, this whole process and in, in this, these meetings and things like this. And um, where victims came together, um, all the perpetrators have died. They're all dead. Um, one of the symbolic things that happened is that a number of the missions leaders today as, as representatives, right? Because individually mm -hmm. they're, they m met, they set up this meeting and it was a multi-day meeting where missions leaders stayed in one hotel, the victims stayed in another one and they all, they came together and they, they went through this really intentional process of people sharing their stories. And I mean, can't imagine the tears, you know? And then there was a point when, um, because this was in, in Japan, this at this school, um, there's this Japanese um, custom that I, I'm, I'm not an expert in at all, but my understanding is that there's a certain kind of bow, it's like all fours to the ground, where you, in Japanese culture, you completely humiliate yourself mm -hmm. in repentance mm -hmm. facing somebody else. And apparently, um, my understanding is that the... Uh, Japanese prime minister, he actually did this in front of the Korean mm. um, uh, leaders wow. um, as an act of repentance for the atrocities during World War II. Yeah. So that was one. And then there are a couple of other times the Japanese leaders have done this mm -hmm. to say we were deeply wrong. And even if it wasn't us personally mm -hmm. that did this, our yeah. people, our group did this. Mm -hmm. And so there was a point in this meeting where these mission leaders from these different organizations. They got in the middle of this room with these victims and they all bowed down, hands um, on all fours, face on the ground to these victims saying, we are so sorry that this happened as part of our group. And um, that, that doesn't excuse anything. We're not trying, we're just, no. but hopefully that's a 
step in the direction of of some kind of healing, some kind of 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 reconciliation, some kind of process where that will never happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of this, but in vulnerability mm-hmm. and honesty and transparency and grief. Mm-hmm. And um it was um a beautiful, beautiful example of mm-hmm. what it looks like um to to repent mm. yeah. as a group. Mm. Well, we said we we're going to go 45 minutes, but instead we went an hour and 11 minutes. Um, we, we started a couple of minutes late, to be fair. Well, we... Nah. <laughs> I mean, we started right on time. We just didn't start talking about serious stuff. But anyway, it was worth it. Rob, thanks, thank Rob, so, so much for coming on the, on the show, for bringing the message. Hey, I love you guys. Um, thank you for... Uh, having me yeah uh thanks for tuning in if you're still listening that's amazing uh uh thanks for tuning in we will be next week we'll be live in person if you would like to join us uh in 65 10 6 30 p.m on monday this coming monday bring your theological questions i love the way alex said it we we may not have answers, but we will have responses. Um, <laughs> and our and, response might be, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> yes, it's a viable response. Um, but uh, yeah, and look up Rob. Uh, know if you're part of South, we support um, Rob and his family. They're an amazing family, um, as you can sort of just hear some of their stories. And I've got to sign off now because our show will end automatically in two minutes. So we're going to say goodbye to you all now, and we will uh, catch you next time. Bye, guys.